Welcome to Rome. It is a great day to be alive, a great day to come together to worship our God and our Savior. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we are very happy that you are here this morning, that you've chosen to worship with us, and we ask that you take a moment to fill out a visitor's card in the pew in front of you. And we can have a record of your attendance. Uh, for your information, we offer a, a nursery over here behind the glass if you need that, and we have children's church during the sermon time for kids up to third grade, and you'll be dismissed for that at the appropriate time. Uh, if y'all don't mind, take a moment to silence your cell phones, which I will do right now, should have done earlier. Uh, pick up a Rome journal in the back for news, announcements, events, uh, sick list. Um, pay close attention to our sick list. Uh, a lot of folks on there who, who are in need of our prayer and our support and our encouragement uh, do what we can to help them. Uh, we have a couple events upcoming uh, next Tuesday, not this coming Tuesday, but in uh, Tuesday a week from now, uh, April 18th, we will have a uh, addiction seminar. Is it going to be in here or down? Anyway, it'll be at the building. An addiction seminar. We have a counselor coming in. He's going to talk to us about um, dealing with folks who are addicted to different things and uh, how we can deal with that and how we can work on those things for ourselves if we need that. It is open to the public. So invite your friends, family, anybody that you know that can uh, benefit uh, from this seminar. Uh, following that on April 22nd, next Saturday, not this Saturday, but the next Saturday, uh, hometown Love Spring Fair is going to be going on over to Fairgrounds. Uh, we hope to see you there. We'll have a booth set up as well as one for the preschool and for the uh, Christian Academy going in in South Point. So keep those on your radar as well. That's all I've got. If you would please stand for the first song. Center into our worship together. First hymn this morning, number 732, we praise thee, O God. <clears throat> Be good. <clears throat> 732. We praise thee, O God, for the
Next hymn this morning, number 682, To God Be the Glory, 682. After this hymn, Brother Rick Keister will have our scripture reading and prayer. To God be the glory, great things he hath done, so love he Our reading this morning is from Acts, the 10th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 4. Acts 10, verses 1 through 4. Now there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in to him and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze upon him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you at this time, In prayer, we pray, Father, that we live our lives 
according to the song that we have just sung, that we glorify your name in all that we do, that we praise your name, that we honor you, and that we, we mold all that we do in this world hoping for the prize of heaven at some day when this life is over. We pray, Father, that we would have the appropriate perspective about things in this life compared to things in the next life and that we would do everything we can here so that we can be there. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we have this morning to come and to worship you. We pray that as we often do this, that we come with the attitude that your word is truth and that we can know what that truth is regarding how we are to worship you and how we are to conduct our lives. We pray, Father, that we would study to show ourselves approved in your word and do all we can to match what we do with what we find there. We pray, Father, that as we sing these songs that we will not only have the melodies coming from our, our mouths, but we, that our minds will be engaged also, that we will be focusing on these words and sincerely mean them as we sing them to make them beneficial to us and to you. We pray, Father, that as we, in a few minutes, will partake of a com commemorating feast that your son set up for us before he left this world so that we could appropriately and lovingly remember him and the sacrifice that he made for us so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could have that home in heaven with you throughout eternity. We pray, Father, that as we do so at that time that we will do everything we can to focus our mind on his love for us and your love for us in the act that took place many centuries ago. We pray, Father, for this congregation, that it will remain sound, that it will always do what is right in your eyes, that we will recognize error when it's among us and that we will do our best to deal with that, that we will do everything that we can as a congregation to stimulate each other to good works and to good deeds and to love. We pray, Father, that as we go through our worship service this morning, that you will be with us, that you will help us to grow from having been here so that we will be stronger tomorrow than we are today. We pray, Father, this prayer in your son's dear name. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 203. Hallelujah, what a Savior. <clears throat> Man,
like to read from Romans chapter 6 a few verses here beginning at verse 1 what shall we say then are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase may it never be how shall we who died to sin still live in it or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. So that Christ was raised from the, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Resurrection. Sometimes maybe we question resurrection. Not Jesus's, because there's too much evidence there. Way too much evidence. But our own, that seems a little out of kelter to me. And then I want to look at some things that I think should help us in that regard. I think God is trying to tell us something. You know, we celebrate Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And that's what we're doing right here. We're remembering that and the sacrifice that he gave. And sometimes we kind of just pass over the resurrection and let it go. But I want to give you some examples that God is showing us. Time. 
time is broken down for us, and we've done this for hours and days and weeks and months. Uh, God did the years. He's you know, made that rotation. And we broke down the rest of it. But after this hour is over, then a new hour comes. After this week, a new week comes. It's the same, but different. After this year, a new year comes. The same, but different. We have seasons that we go through. And each season is a beginning and an end. They may kind of overlap a little bit, but we understand spring and summer and winter and, and, and fall. Next spring is going to be different from this spring, but it's still going to be the same too. God's trying to tell us something. garden you plant a seed into the ground and anticipate what that seed is going to provide for you that seed in order to do its thing has to die and the little spark of life that's inside that seed then sprouts and makes a new plant and bears fruit. I think God's trying to tell us something. Dormant cycles. The trees are they're they're, they're still pretty, but they're weird in the winter. They're they're bare and they're they're kind of kind of depressing. But then in the spring they come back and they spring back into into their glory. And they're beautiful. But they go through that different stage. It's the same, but it's different. Hibernating animals. They teach us a lesson, I think. I think God is telling us something. Not just from the wintertime like a bear's do or something, but there are animals that hibernate through the dry spell and they'll bury down into the mud while the mud is there. And three months, six months later, whatever, they come back. There's the same, but different. Baptism. What we just read in Romans chapter 6, our baptism is a type of his death, burial, and resurrection. God's trying to tell us something. We celebrate his resurrection and appreciate what God has done for us, providing the sacrifice of his son that we might be able to stand here or to come here and to partake of this supper.
Let's go to God in prayer at this time. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to surround your table to partake of this bread that represents the broken body of our Savior and your Son. Father, we appreciate that so much. Without him and without you, we have no hope. In his name we pray. Amen. Please go with me in prayer again to God. Father, thank you that we can share in the participation of, of this memorial feast, that we can partake of these emblems, that we can partake of the cup that represents his shed blood. Father, that blood that washes away our sin. Thank you for his sacrifice. As we partake, Father, help us to look in our mind's eye back to the cross and see the shedding of that blood. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
the conclusion of the Lord's Supper, we now take advantage of the young men on the floor and uh, take up our collection as we determine in our hearts how to provide for the work of the church here with an open heart and with a glad mind and uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful sacrifice of your son, for the planning and the establishment of the church, for the opportunity for us to become a child of yours. Father, help us to make that possibility available to many others. Bless the use of these funds directed by the elders and help us to spread your word in the community and throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 282. 282. <clears throat> I know that my Redeemer lives. We'll sing the first three verses. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. I know that my Redeemer can
The invitation hymn for this morning, number 667, There's Power in the Blood, 667. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. Go ahead and flip in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning, Acts chapter 10. We've been in the midst of a series, and we're concluding today, uh, we're calling Recruited. And we've looked at uh, the last four guys throughout the book of Acts. We started in Acts chapter 6 and 7 with Stephen, and we, we questioned him, what can we learn from your life, Stephen? If I were to sit down and learn, read through the accounts of your life that's recorded for us here in Acts chapter 6 and 7, what, what do you want me to take away? What does the Spirit want me to take away from, from this passage? And well, I think what we learned from, from Stephen is that Jesus is worth sacrificing absolutely everything for. Uh, you see Stephen there giving his life for Jesus. Next, in Acts chapter 8, we, we looked at Philip. And Philip goes everywhere. After Stephen is uh, stoned, the church splinters uh, in, in such a beautiful fashion. It's not a negative thing like you might normally think about it, but it, it's beautiful. And so they go in all directions. And Steve, uh, Philip is one of those ones, one of the evangelists, that goes everywhere. Uh, he starts off in Samaria, and then he moves on uh, to eventually making his way all the way down to Philistine country after having passed uh, an Ethiopian. So all these guys are outsiders, people that Philip would not have normally thought to share the truth with, not have normally thought to share the gospel with. Um, now, Philip teaches us, we have to have soul vision. Everybody matters. Uh, we need to look for opportunities to share truth with everyone, just like Philip did. Last week we looked at Saul, who will become the great apostle Paul. And he taught us that after Jesus' resurrection, after you see the resurrected Christ, all bets are off. Everything. You have to be all in. All the way. No looking back. No half measures, no lukewarm faith. I'm all in. Today we're looking at Cornelius, and we're going to talk to Cornelius about his faith. Now, Cornelius has an exemplary story. If you're there in Acts chapter 10, let's start walking through it. You meet him. Uh, like Rick read for us this morning, these first couple of verses, you meet Cornelius. He lives in a place called Caesarea. Caesarea is not uh, Israelite territory. Because Cornelius is not an Israelite. This guy is a Gentile. And in fact, uh, really, he's the first recorded Gentile convert. The Ethiopian eunuch was a proselyte. He had converted to Judaism, and then he comes to Jesus. But Cornelius, he hasn't converted to Judaism. He comes straight out of his normal life, although he's, he's adopted some of the ways of Judaism. But he's coming out of that uh, and straight into Christ. And so... We get to see him today. He lives in Caesarea. He is, he is um, a soldier. He's a centurion. In fact, uh, he is in charge of 100 soldiers. He's a part of a cohort, an Italian reg or a, a Roman regiment named the Italian Cohort. Most people think there's somewhere around 1,000 soldiers in this cohort. And so uh, Cornelius would have 10 contemporaries like himself, 10 other centurions, nine other centurions that he would be working with. These guys are stationed in this place called Caesarea. Caesarea is a big deal, at least in his world, because that's where the, the higher-ups live. That's where Herod Agrippa is going to live, the king of the Jews. That's where he is, his residence is. It's also the residence of a guy you know, Pontius Pilate. Uh, and so that's where 
he lives. And now both these guys are going to travel extensively throughout their areas. And you'll, you'll find Pilate coming to Jerusalem uh, on Passover. He would come every year because it was a big holiday for the Jewish people. And when holidays arise, there's an opportunity for riots also to arise. Uh, mixed feelings, all those kinds of things. And people may get a little too excited. And so Pilate would bring this Italian cohort, this regiment. He would at least bring some of them with him as security to kind of keep the peace. Uh, and so occasionally, frequently, this Italian cohort would come from Caesarea with Agrippa, with Pilate, and their job is to keep the peace wherever these guys go. And here we find them in Caesarea. Um, about the ninth hour on this particular day, Cornelius is praying. Now, what he prays, we're not really told. I've got a guess in a second, and I'll walk you through that. But it's interesting to me that he's praying at the ninth hour. Why is he praying at the ninth hour? Well, I think he's picked up some stuff from his Jewish friends. Um, again, he's not Jewish. Caesarea is not a Jewish city. But he is so connected to the Jews, at least on occasion, on his visits to Jerusalem, I suppose, or maybe he has a, a Jewish person in his life that, that's connected the dots for him. But he has... A believer in Yahweh. He is a believer in Israel's God. And so he has come to faith in some respects, um, but he has adopted at least some of those Jewish practices, one of which is praying three times a day, Once of those, one of those times being at the ninth hour. And so during uh, his prayer time here, uh, his devotion time, when uh, he speaks to the Father, he is visited by this angel. And the angel says, your prayers, in verse 4, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Luke, Luke is an awesome writer, right? Um, obviously, he's inspired. But this little bit, the, the, the tanner lives by the sea. His house stank because he's tanning hides, right? And so he lives down by the sea so the wind can sweep, can sweep the... Uh, the scent away. Um, it's just, it's true, and Luke records it for us here. It's just such an interesting little tidbit to me. But so go call Peter. He's living at this guy's house, Simon a Tanner. His house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, uh, had departed, he called two of his servants and, and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, Joppa is another interesting place for us. Because something else has happened in Joppa that you might remember. Somebody else goes to Joppa, don't they? And it's been several years previous to, to Peter's arrival there in Joppa. Peter, as a matter of fact, if you flip back to Acts chapter 9, he's in Joppa when he restores Dorcas to life. Um, a lady there uh, who is known for her good works. Cornelius is also known for his good works. But there's a lady there in Joppa named Tabitha. She's a disciple. She's a Jewish lady, and she is known for doing extraordinarily good work. She's extraordinarily generous, extraordinarily kind. Uh, her heart is, is lent toward uh, those who are hurting. And so she's been making some things for those who can't take care of themselves. She dies, and the whole church is apparently um, obviously sad about it. And so they call Peter, and Peter is able to rise her, uh, raise her from the dead. That happens in Joppa, but before even that, years earlier than that, someone else 
walks into Joppa. Do you know his name? Jonah. Walks into Joppa. His job is to go to another foreign city and tell them about God's mercy. Do you remember what Jonah does? He runs the exact opposite direction. He doesn't want to do it. Here you find an apostle in that same city, centuries later, who is told to go, or will be told to go, into another foreign city where Gentiles live and tell them about God's mercy. It's no coincidence that Luke records for us that Peter's in Joppa. He wants us to make that connection. Like Joe was saying this morning, I think God wants us to see to see that. His mercy has always been for all people. And now, in Acts chapter 10, God is doing something unbelievable. He's opening up this brand new kingdom where you don't have to teach each other because you already all know the Lord. That's what Jeremiah said. But he's opening up this brand new kingdom to everybody. It's no longer just a Jewish thing. It's no longer... Those, those, the Jewish people are not the only ones that have an interest in this kingdom. Now it's everyone. And Cornelius is going to be the first non-Jew, the first Gentile into this brand new kingdom. Skip down to verse 9. Peter's going to have this vision. Uh, so Caesarea is about 30 miles from Joppa. About a day's journey, day and a half, something like that. Um, journey from Caesarea to Joppa. So as Cornelius sends his guys out the door to visit Peter and, and uh, tell him to come to Cornelius and share what he has to say, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, as all that's happening in Caesarea, Peter in Joppa, Jonah's city, is sitting on top of a roof on his balcony, I suppose, and he's looking out and he's hungry because it's about lunchtime. But all of a sudden, as he's thinking about how hungry he is, God sends him this vision and in it the sheet is let down and there's all kinds of animals in there. Animals that Peter would not have normally eaten. These are unclean animals. Um, Peter would not have normally eaten these things. And so uh, because of the Jewish um, sanitary laws about eating various animals, he had restricted himself from eating these, these types of animals. But now God says, not once, not twice, but three times, Peter, rise and kill and eat. And Peter says, the audacity of Peter. You know, right? He's, he's the guy that sticks his foot in his mouth all the time. Oh, it'd be interesting to go back and count how many times he told God no. Uh, he's one of the few that, get, that, that does that a couple of times. But here he says, not so, Lord. I, I won't do this thing because I've never, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And God says, what I've cleansed, you don't get to call unclean. And then Peter hears the knock on the door downstairs. And his servant comes and he says, hey, there's some guys here for you. No coincidence, right? What God has cleansed, not just the animals, but the Gentile people as well. Us, right? He says, what I've cleansed, you don't get to call unclean, Peter. And so Peter goes with these, these guys that Cornelius has sent. And he meets with Cornelius. Look in verse 22, chapter 10, verse 22, and back up to verse 21. That's when Peter starts talking. And Acts chapter 10, verse 21. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you were looking for. 
what is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. These have got to be the easiest Bible studies Peter's ever been in, right? The, the, the people longing for truth in the first century is just phenomenal. You remember when in Acts chapter 8, Philip meets the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. He just happens to be reading Isaiah 53, and he just happens to be wondering the exact questions that he needs to be asking. And here's Philip that just happens to be in the right place at the right time. And here Cornelius sends some guys over to an apostle, and he says, tell us what God wants, wants from us. Okay, you know, like, give me grab my Bible, right? This is, these are, these are got to be the easiest Bible studies these guys have ever been in. But one of the things that you need to see here is, what kind of guy was Cornelius? Well, Acts 10.22 says, He was an upright, God-fearing man who's well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Earlier, when, he, when we were introduced to him, uh, in verse 4, it says that he's a praying guy and that his alms, his, his good deeds, um, his, his, generous, his generosity have ascended as a memorial before God. And so this guy is a legitimately good man. He wants to do what's right. And apparently he has adopted some of these Jewish rituals, some of these, these things that the Jewish people have done for centuries that bring them closer to God. He has seen value in those things and has put those things in his own life. And so he is a good man. But being good isn't enough for salvation. Right? It, it demands more than that. Salvation demands more than that. Or else God would have never told Cornelius to send for Peter. That's what this whole story is about. He is a good man. This is kind of the guy that would get the shirt off your back. Right? He is... Salt of the earth, good man. But if you think being good is going to get you to heaven, it's not the way it works. It's not enough. Cornelius is a good guy. He'll do anything in the world for you. But it's not going to get him to heaven. And so he has to send for help. He has to send for more answers. Look in, uh, look in chapter 10, verse 30. Peter comes to Cornelius' house, uh, and Peter kind of says, what, what's going on here? You know, uh, I've never really uh, set foot in a Gentile's house before, but some stuff's happened over the last couple of days that has made me think maybe that, uh, that I should be here and should be talking to you, um, and that God wants us to be doing this. In verse 30, Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. So I wonder what Cornelius has been praying for. It seems to me that maybe he's been praying for more information. Maybe he's got an interest in salvation. Because that's certainly the answer God gives to his prayer. God doesn't always answer our prayers like that, does He? Sometimes in prayers He says no. Sometimes He says wait. But sometimes He says yes. And so it, it could be maybe that, that one of 
the things that Cornelius has been praying for has been more information about this, this carpenter from Nazareth that has got the Jewish people so in arms. I think that's probably the case because in just a little bit, Peter's going to say, you guys have heard about Jesus. Look down in verse, uh, starting in verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that, has been, that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea. They, they know. Cornelius and his friends, because when he, he kind of timed it out, he knew how long it would take Peter to come back from Joppa. And so as that hour approaches, he has surrounded himself with all the people he thinks would be interested in this salvation that he's been praying for. And so they're all there. And Peter looks in this room and he says, you guys know about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, all the things that have happened throughout Judea, beginning in verse 37, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good uh, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. These are not things that you can just overlook. These, these guys are too in tuned to what's going on in Judah, in, in Jerusalem, to have overlooked these facts. And so I think some of this stuff has trinkled trickled its way down into uh, Cornelius' mind. And so he is praying, I, I think, to know more about this Jesus and this, this salvation that the Jews are so up in arms about. And so God tells him to send for Peter, and Peter comes. And the most amazing thing happens, uh, even beyond Peter walking into uh, the house. Check out what happens in verse 44. Peter starts preaching, and he, he kind of he kind of says almost exactly what he says, essentially, um, in Acts chapter 2. He, he kind of gives Jesus this background um, and, and tells that the Jewish people crucified him, but then he was resurrected. He kind of walks through that. Uh, in verse 43, he says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in his name, uh, believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then the most mind-blowing thing happens to be a fly on the wall in this room. The, uh, the guys, because Peter, Peter brings six guys with him, six Jewish brethren from Joppa. He brings them with him. It's such a smart play. He brings them with him. And so their jaws in verse 44 have to be on the ground. Check out what happens in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among, all the, from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they, hear, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and stolen God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then, then they asked him to remain for some days. Right? So... What happens in Acts chapter 2 with just the, just the apostles, with the tongues of fire on their heads, and the Holy Spirit, they've been, they've been immersed in the Holy Spirit. That happens to Cornelius and his friends here. The amazing thing is, they haven't been baptized yet. They're not saved right now. And so why 
has that happened? Why, why were they immersed in the Holy Spirit? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples, the apostles, were immersed in the Holy Spirit. Do you remember why, why that happened? It was to get the attention and to validate their message to all the people that were listening to them. Here, it's the exact opposite. In Acts chapter 10, the point of Cornelius and his friends being immersed in the Holy Spirit, the, the, that they can now speak in tongues, is to validate the message that they're in, that, that God wants them, that He wants all Gentiles, He wants all peoples to come. And now Peter can freely and without um, prejudice and without hesitation preach truth to them and welcome them in, into the kingdom through the power of baptism. He's not... He's not saying, the Spirit's not saying here that they're, that they're saved right here. Because we know that baptism now saves you. It's at that point in time. You, you go down into the waters of baptism, lost, but when you come back up, you, you're saved. And so we know that that's the point at which salvation happens. And so here with Cornelius, it's, it's a way of validating his uh, and all Gentiles' approach to the kingdom. They're welcome. You're, you're welcome here. And so, uh, after, after this, uh, after they see the, the Spirit and they hear the, uh, the people speaking in tongues, the Gentiles speaking in tongues, Peter does the natural thing. Uh, God has welcomed them. Who are we to say, to keep them at arm's length? Who are we to withhold salvation from them now? So in verse 47, he says, Can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So they're baptized at that point, and at that point they are saved. They're, they're, they're entered into the kingdom. And so that's, that's a very quick breakdown over Cornelius' life and the power that the gospel has to reach every single person. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I know that he has the power to heal that. I know that he has the power to transform your life from from darkness to light, because that's what he's good at. That's what he does. That's the power of salvation. That's the power of baptism, is that it, it, it transforms us. In that, in that obedience, he transforms us. And it, like we said earlier, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter if you've been a good person. Most people today are good people. You, you don't find an awful lot of folks out there that are um, axe murderers and, and just terrible people, right? Being good isn't good enough. You, you can't work your way to heaven. You can obey your way to heaven. And I think that's the plan he's, he's laid out for us in Scripture. But you can't work your way to heaven. So this morning, maybe, maybe you're ready to, like Cornelius, obey your way to heaven, to, to have your sins washed away, to put him on in baptism. And then, like Saul and, and all the other converts throughout history, that at that point, everything changes. And you become wholeheartedly devoted to Christ and His mission. Maybe you've already made the decision this morning and you're struggling. We want to pray with you and for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. If you have any need this morning, why won't you come as we stand and sing?
Good morning, church family. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. Um, uh, to all deacons, we have a deacons meeting next Sunday after uh, 5 o'clock uh, next Sunday. So all deacons, please uh, put that in your schedules to be there for that uh, next Sunday. Also, uh, young, at, young at Heart will be meeting next Tuesday. Not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday on the 18th. Uh, we are headed to um, Bombshells, Burgers, and Barbecue. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you need a permit from your parents to shoot a gun or not, um, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. That's at 10.30. Um, April 18th is the addiction seminar that Jeremy mentioned earlier, and that's at 6.30 uh, in the main auditorium. Um, also, uh, if you're wanting to help out with the Hometown Love Fair uh, uh, booth, please see Chris. Uh, he'll give you some more information on that. It starts at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, so it's going to be a long day, but it should be a lot of fun. Um, what an opportunity for us to get out in our community and uh, let people know who we are, what our family's about here at Rome. And um, so it should be a lot of fun. But if you can help out with that, please see Chris. Um, also, uh, there's a meeting on April 23rd for the family mission trip to Beckley um, after morning services on the 23rd. Um, so if you're planning on going to that mission trip, uh, uh, Please be there for that meeting. It should be only about 10 minutes. Um, also, Flatwoods will be hosting their uh, gospel meeting on April 24th through the 26th. And the mowing schedule is out on the four-year board. If you can help mow, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, we have the mowers for you. We have the gas. We have everything you need, uh, weed eaters. Um, but if you can help out with that, please sign up on the bulletin board out in the foyer. And if, you're, if this is your first time ever doing it, please see Greg Sullivan. He can show you where uh, you're supposed to cut and everything because uh, it's a big property to cut. So, But uh, if you can help with that, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, remember, continue keeping our prayers. Jimmy Wilgus, Terry Leap, that's Gary's brother, and Jimmy, uh, Jim Haney and Amber Spitzer as they go through their cancer treatments at this time and uh, the, their family members and the doctors who are taking care of them. Um, also, prayer request for uh, Alice Boso. Uh, she's having a heart cath this Monday. 
uh, Monday morning. So keep uh, Alice Boso in your prayers at this time. And Judy Gerald uh, had a heart cath last week. She's at home recovering, um, and she's doing good. Just remember continue to uh, keep her in your prayers. Maybe send her a card of uh, encouragement. I know she'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Jeremy has an announcement um, really quick. And after that, we'll sing one more song. We dismissed in prayer. I'll try to keep this short. Um, the elders have identified an area of need in our congregation. Uh, we have an abundance of youth and, and young adults, middle-aged uh, folks, young at heart. Um, but we also have an increasing number of folks who are elderly, uh, shut in, uh, battling cancer, dealing with different illnesses, uh, sicknesses. And these folks often get overlooked and forgotten about. So we've decided to address this need in maybe a non-conventional kind of way. We've asked David to step in and fill a role of associate minister. And his primary responsibility will be to... Um, will be attending to those who are struggling uh, physically in one way or another uh, and to take care of the elderly uh, and look after them. Uh, the role of youth minister will be carried out by a committee of volunteers uh, tasked with education curriculum, planning events, um, teaching classes, that sort of thing. Um, currently, we're going to do this on a trial basis. We're going to reevaluate in six months to see how it's going where we can make improvements, where we can make changes if, if needed. So bear with David and bear with the committee and, and the elders as we proceed through this transition. Hopefully it will be a good thing for everyone involved. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, see one of the elders uh, and we can kind of answer your questions. Uh, thank you. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Jeremiah. I was going to uh, give testimony to the Lord. Um, he came into my life many, many times, and I've walked away from him many, many times, and he's put me back on a path. I don't know where that path is going to lead me, but it's led me here today. Uh, I'd like to give him praises and glory to the Lord. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 226, How Great Thou Art. <clears throat> We'll sing the first and third verse, and then Brother Darren Baker will lead us in prayer. First and third. Oh, Lord, my God, where I am lost and Take my soul, my Savior, come to thee. 
Let's go to God in prayer. So Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this Lord's Day that you've given us. Father, another day of life. We thank you so much for your church, especially our church family here at Rome. Father, many have been mentioned today that are in need of our prayers and your help. If it would be your will, Father, we pray that you'll be with them and all those on our hearts and minds, Father, that are in need. Bless them according to their needs. Father, we're so thankful for our leaders here at Rome, the decisions they make with your guidance that furthers your word in this community. We just pray your continued blessing upon our leaders and upon this congregation and, Father, with each of us as individuals. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and the great hope that it gives us, the hope of eternal life. Father, be with us this day as we leave this building and go our separate ways. Help us, Father, to uh, do in accordance to your word and be a uh, good example in the community to others, Father. Father, most of all, we ask you to forgive us of our sins, and it's in Jesus' blessed name that we ask these things. Amen.